0: Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you here. I'm your host, Dino Watt, as always. And one of our goals here always on this show is to bring you the best practices that you can bring into your practice in order to thrive. And first of all, I want to thank every single one of you for sharing this podcast with your friends and your colleagues. Our subscribers and our numbers continually go up every single month and that's totally because of you. So we're so grateful for that. Our guest today is someone I've been wanting to get on this podcast for a while. I've known Mark for at least two years now. I've seen him speak. I've seen him do what he does best and always impressed. And I'm just excited to welcome Our guest today, he is a CSP, which we'll talk about what that is. He's a business advisor. He's a multiple book author, and he is Mark LeBlanc. Mark, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, thank you, Dina. It's so good to be with you.
0: Well, I got to tell you, like I said, when I first saw you speak, probably, well, it's been over two years now, because it was January of two years ago, I was just like, okay, I got to get to know this guy. And actually, the first time we spoke i was at a brand new place i'd never been before at an event i'd never been before and i just saw you standing there and so i was like well i'm going to be bold and just go start talking to people i didn't know that you were going to be hosting that thing (laughs) and so (laughs) i started talking to you and all of a sudden he's on stage i'm like oh that's the dude i was just talking (laughs) nonsense to a moment ago awesome (laughs) well we're thrilled to have you here mark one of the things that we do on this show is the first thing we want to talk about is i believe stories are what connect every single one of us. So tell us a quick uh, story of your background and how you got to doing what you're doing today.
1: Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm 59 and five months. Wow. Uh, so I'm just approaching 59 and a half. Uh, but I, I share that because I have been on my own since I was 21. Oh. Cool. And so I'm celebrating 38 uh, years of being my own boss and, and running my own business. And That's of course, awesome. I'm incredibly proud of that, that it seems like yesterday I was 21. Um, but I was, I was fortunate, I guess, uh, Dino, I found out at a very early age that I was unemployable. Yes. And I had a job once for about six months and I was inspired uh, by the two words "you're fired," and <laughs> and I made a vow at 21 that I would do whatever it would take to make it on my own, um, and and I did. And I've had some good years, I've had some bad years, I've had some great years, and I've had a few ugly ones that I would mm-hmm. just as soon leave in my rearview mirror. Uh, but candidly, Dino, you know, I would not trade it for anything. Um, in fact, um, I, I think the next 10 years are going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, me too. I,
1: I really do. Despite some of the challenges of, of change uh, that we're going through, um, uh, I think the future looks great. I, I don't think it's going to look what the, in the way that we thought. <laughs> you know, that it would, uh, but I think the opportunities are there.
0: I a hundred percent agree with that. I've said from the very beginning and back in March, I actually produced a quick uh, video cause I woke up one morning inspired with the idea that the world is stopping for you, right? Mm-hmm. This is such an amazing opportunity for so many people. Everybody who's listened to the show before knows that, man, I, I think that people who see it the way you do and really, uh, capitalize on this feeling capitalize on this belief system will be the ones that help everybody get through all of this so i love that you have that that thought and idea so when you're 21 you know the moment you said hey i'm gonna be work for myself and be gainfully unemployed (laughs) it was all smooth and easy since then right
1: Oh. oh, for sure, uh, <laughs> because everybody takes a twenty-one-year-old seriously, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, and w- what happened was my the position that I did have as a young guy, I worked. I was a straight commissioned, a salesperson for a printing company, and um, what I began to do was I began to broker printing. I thought, why should I work with one company when if I have a, a prospect or a client, maybe if I do a good job of in the interview and finding out what they need and want, I would take their printing projects, uh, whatever they might be, and promote myself as a printing broker and say, look, let me go out on your behalf, find the right printer for this particular or any particular type of job that you might have. Um, I know how to negotiate. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I made, I obviously made some things up and I was pretty good on my feet. Um, but, but all of a sudden I was able to instill that trust. And pretty soon I had one client and then two, then four, then 16. Um, and I was brokering printing It was about the time that the Macintosh uh, computer uh, came out by Apple with the 300 DPI laser. Nice. And I spent (laughs) $9,500 on a Macintosh uh, 300 DPI uh, printer and McWrite and McPaint. And it turned out to be one of the best investments and decisions of my career. And pretty soon I was brokering so much printing. I woke up one day and I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I owned my own printing company? Huh. And so um, I, I went out and it took me about a year, but I bought a printing company. Um, in fact, one that had gone out of business or was shutting down. And I thought, what a great opportunity to, to snap it up, breathe some new life into it, um, re-engage with their previous clients and bring my clients into the fold. And um, so I bought that company in 87 and uh, grew it over the next five years and, and really positioned myself at, not as a, a, a printing company or, you know, small print shop, uh, but more of a creative graphics printing and mailing company. And we became like a a little marketing company with an in-house print department. Oh, interesting. And we began to work with independent and practice professionals of all types. Um, Little did I know in the uh, mid to late eighties and and early nineties that uh, independent and practice professionals would be my sliver of the marketplace.
0: Isn't it fascinating how things um, work out like that?
1: Yeah. Now, it was never my goal to grow up to be a big printer. It, mm. was, it was always my goal, even at 21, to become a professional speaker. Really? I was introduced to the National Speakers Association uh, in December of 1982, and I walked into the Minnesota chapter meeting, and there were about 20 speakers And I walked in and it was as if a switch went off in my head and my heart and my gut. And I thought, this is it. And I went home for Christmas a couple of weeks later. Remember, I'm 21. And I I told my dad, I said, I now know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And he said, what's that? I said, I'm going to be a professional speaker. And he said, can you make any money doing that? And I said, I don't know, but I met this group called NSA, and they're all rich. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, little did I know then what I know today. Yeah. Um, but Dino, where could a young guy mm-hmm. put his toe into a profession and have the opportunity to have the kind of impact and influence that hopefully, I've been able to have over the last 38 years. Yeah, now, that's amazing. I'm, from 21 to 31, I was sort of a part-time or anytime speaker
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, while I was building my uh, business. You know, there, there's a saying in NSA that you need to earn the right to speak. Well, from 21 to 31, I put everything I had into becoming a, a small business success story And I grew that business and uh, sold it in 1992 to speak and train full time.
0: Wow. And And that was the last time. And then from there, you were able to create a career out of speaking since then.
1: I have. I've given over over a thousand presentations. I facilitated um, over 150 weekend uh, business retreats. And I've clocked over one thousand one-on-one uh, coaching or advising hours uh, over the last twenty-eight years. I, I mean, that sounds amazing and and it, it's somewhat notable, uh, but it was not easy. I mean, I rode the roller coaster of ups and downs. In fact, I often share I I, uh, I invested blood, sweat, and fears, um, <laughs> you know, into in yeah. my into my business. Um so
0: it's interesting I want to ask you a question about that because um and maybe this just part of the show is uh I always try to put myself in the driver's seat of somebody who's listening to this podcast as they're driving home or to work and then uh the questions that they would ask right mm-hmm. the other part is just stuff that comes to my head so this might not have anybody anybody's like nobody cares when they're listening to this but I care so here's the interesting thing, Mark you've been around for long enough you've seen and as you're going up there's something about finding your voice as a speaker. And by the way, there are plenty of people who listen to the show who I know do speak at conventions or events within the industry. How did you find your voice? Because there certainly are a lot of different voices out there, first of all, and there's a lot of uh, shoulds, like you should speak like this, you should do that. This is the way they should do. And, and how did you find your voice when it comes to speaking?
1: Uh, I often reply uh, prayer, therapy, and alcohol
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, those are probably some really fun speeches then
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know and you 're true. I mean, finding your voice, finding your place in in the speaking or training profession, um, and no different probably than consulting or coaching is 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 not easy mm-hmm. um, and I think I quit. Um, a thousand times, wow, um, and fortunately, I recommitted myself a thousand and one and and I think what what made that re, those recommitments possible, Dino was, if you recall, I told my dad, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. and so Thank while i I certainly had some doubts, I bombed in my first paid professional uh, speech. Uh, the fee was300 300 dollars. I remember it like yesterday I could give you the time, the date, the audience <laughs> the, the names of the sixty percent um, I mean I rem- it, it, it was horrendous I, mm-hmm. I retreated like a frightened turtle um, and th- you know the one thing I think it was I think it was Woody Allen who said eighty um, percent of success uh, is showing up yeah. And um, during that time, even though I retreated, I kept showing up at, at uh, the National Speakers Association. I kept showing up at the Minnesota chapter. I kept rubbing elbows with some of the greats uh, in this profession. I mean, over 38 years, I have learned from and had lunch with or listened to Zig Ziglar, Ogmandino, Norman Vincent peel uh, Art Linkletter. Um, wow. I met, I met Jack LaLanne in 1983. Nice. Um, Jim Tunney from the NFL is a friend of mine. You know, I mean, I grew up, these people put their arms around me and, and said, you can do this. Um, wow. And, and so I was, I was either uh, smart enough or accidentally brilliant uh, in order to keep showing up when, quite frankly, I really had no reason to. Um, and I think I had a pilot light that was just flickering. Um, but, but pretty soon, you know, uh, I crawled out of my shell, did another presentation. And I remember, I'm running my printing company Uh, At this time. So as as time went on, my confidence as a business owner grew. And in time, my evaluation started to get a little bit better. I, I often share with aspiring and emerging speakers, I was so bad for so long, that the only reason I'm standing today in this profession is, you know, by the grace of God and the fact that I kept going.
0: Well, i think that's super powerful right i i I used to live in and i want i wanted to be a performer in la and and, and my whole childhood hollywood type thing and one of the things i say all the time is that to make it in la it's just about perseverance so like if that's your ultimate goal it ended up not being my ultimate goal but if that's your ultimate goal it's about perseverance and really Mm -hmm. you can you can actually relate that to almost anything in life right Mm -hmm. that whether you're a practice owner who is having a hard time finding the right people for your team, right? That's right. Team members. Uh, If you're having a hard time finding the right clients, even it's about perseverance and failure and making sure you just keep up and keep going. And it sounds so trite in so many ways, but it also just makes obvious sense. No one wakes up in the morning, a great speaker or a great business person. I would assume that the same journey that you went on through speaking when it comes to failure and just having to keep trying again also was part of the journey as a business owner because not every day is going to be a winner day. So you have to learn from that as well.
1: Well, for sure. And, you know, I grew my first business over a 10-year period, successfully sold it to follow my dream. Remember, my evaluations are starting to get better. I'm, I'm starting to think, okay, this is what I this, I, I, I've earned the right to speak, right. Um, or at, at very, at the very least come closer
0: earning, to earning, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, to sure. earning
1: the right to speak. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I sold my business, uh, excited to start my speaking business in in the fall of 1992 and completely fell flat on my face mm. and I didn't earn a nickel for 12 months.
0: Wow. A whole year
1: a whole year. Wow. And, and um, it was not a goal that I remembered setting. <laughs> and, I hate and those type of goals. <laughs> when, when you're, when your new company name is small business success um, that that's a bit of a gap. Oh no. Um, and, and about 12 months into this business with quite frankly, zero. And wh- when I say Not a nickel. I mean, not a nickel. Um, I had a monthly payment coming in from the sale of my business that was almost covering my survival expenses, and um, which can be both a blessing and a curse. Um, But in a in a defining moment, in a defining moment, and I'll I'll spare that particular story. But in a defining moment, actually a moment of incredible pain, about to throw in the towel on my dream. And, and I, I came to the clarity of I, I want to work with people who want to start their own business. Mm. And I want to work with people who want to grow their business. And I thought, now, how can I communicate that out there in the marketplace and it was almost as if this voice came look stupid nothing else has worked why don't you just go say that oh wow and I went to a networking meeting I stood up got my minute to introduce myself about I don't know 25 or so business owners not a lot of enthusiasm and I just said i I I work with people who want to start their own business and small business owners who want to grow their business. And I shut up and sat down and true story. Seven people came up to me. Wow. Can I get your card? I I want to know more about what you do. You know, I've been, I've been kind of watching you over the last 10 or so months. I had no clue what you, you were doing. Um, I want to start a business. My spouse wants to start a business Another person said, well, you know, Mark, I'm struggling a little bit, but I could use some help. And another person, Dino, said, I'm doing great, but I, need, but I feel as if i am hit a wall or a, a plateau. Uh, yeah. So I need, I need somebody to help me sort of break through this so that I can go on to the next level. And I thought, oh, my God, I didn't know what it, I didn't, I did not understand then what I know today. But I thought if it worked here, it might work again and so i went to another networking meeting here in minneapolis little mo- more enthusiasm stood up i run a company called small business success i work with people who want to start a business and small business owners who want to grow their business shut up and sat down four people came up to me nice and within within about 30 days seven prospects wrote a check and engaged me in the process of helping them start or grow their business. And and as I began to work with one-on-one with more people, again, my confidence grew. It became the ultimate sort of one-on-one laboratory. My confidence began to grow further. and, And then all of a sudden, I began to get invited to speak. And well,
0: the thing that I love that I want to take away from that story too, for a lot of people listening is the idea that sometimes you just have to speak up about what you want. Yeah. And when I talk to docs, when I'm, you know, uh, when we're talking about their, their networking or their marketing plan with other doctors, uh, orthodontists talking to dentists, for example, you know, I often say, well, have you, have you told them that? Have you literally went to them and said, hey, so these are the type of clients we're looking for. This is the type of customer we want to serve. And 99.9% of the time, it's, uh, well, no, I never thought about that. So I love your example of finally getting mm-hmm. that place. Humility is what I believe it was. It was that point of total humility, rawness of, I have no idea if this is going to work or not, but I'm willing to open my mouth and ask for what I want. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. So is that what created the achievers circle? That's something I definitely want to talk about. Is how you well, started that?
1: Well, what happened is, is I began to work one-on-one with more professionals and mm-hmm. practice owners. Of course, um, for 10 years in my creative graphics printing and mailing company, I was working with professionals and practice sure. owners. So there was a tremendous alignment or congruency there. Sure. Um, then, as time went on ninety five 9, um i I was speaking on what I call multiple topics or multiple presentations and one day I woke up and and i wasn 't speaking on any one of them often enough to be really good mm. and so the next defining moment was I woke up one day and thought, if I could do my growing your business presentation 50 times a year at my fee, my then fee, I'd be happier than a pig in mud. (laughs) And I threw everything else away. Uh, Two years later, I wrote the book, my first book, Growing Your Business, Mm -hmm. and that became the anchor tool um, to really position myself on the topic of business development with the outcome of growing your business. And from there, uh, I probably have done, a, I've done well over a thousand presentations titled growing your business or building your practice or growing your clinic. You know, I mean, some derivative right
0: around that area. Sure. Of,
1: and, and my, my, focus, my traction, my momentum just began to take off. Um, And then um, I developed a weekend retreat called the Achiever Circle. Ah.
0: Um,
1: And I was live at the time I was living in La Jolla, California. And I thought, gosh, this is a this is paradise. Mm. Um, You know, what if a dozen people wanted to come out to La Jolla and just hang with me for a weekend and and it would would be the ultimate growing your business retreat, and so I named it the Achiever Circle. I plopped three on the calendar, scared to death. I love that. And next month in September, um, I will do number one hundred and fifty-two.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So how how long ago did those start?
1: Twenty years ago, in two thousand. Twenty 2000, years ago is
0: when you started it. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And in the cheaper circle, you take people who wanna obviously grow their business is um, what type of people typically show up to this? Practice owners, who?
1: Practice owners and independent professionals. I, um, and, and not that I would not work with a retail small business owner and, or a manufacturing small business owner, but my, my real sliver of the world is people who sell their time and their talent, their experience and their expertise. I know that world like the back of my hand. Mm. Um, and so we take up to uh, 12 people per retreat. Um, little did I know that it would end up to be the most fun that I have in my work, um, probably the most intense Uh, Because when you're driving focus, and you're driving clarity, and, you know, encouraging people sometimes stepping on their toes to make some decisions about what they want, and what they're willing to do for it. um, You can imagine, you know, in a, in a small group over a weekend, I call it inspired friction. Mm. Um, And so facilitating the sort of the ups and, you know, people can be excited. Uh, I never thought about it this way. Or sometimes, hey, I tried something like that and it didn't work. And so I'm, I'm really, over the course of 150 plus retreats, um, truly have honed my facilitation uh, skills in, in navigating a group of people who want to really do well.
0: Well, let me ask you then about now right because here we are in the middle of this covid crisis going on we have a lot of small business owners which is your mm-hmm. forte that are struggling with their success not sure what to do next maybe not understanding how to pivot their business or scale it from what they're i mean like, like most people wrote their that did this wrote their goals down or at least had a thought in january of this year just this year of all these grandiose ideas these goals, maybe they set. They were planning on having, you know, the best year ever, twenty twenty. How many people were talking about that? Like, oh, I have clear vision. I have my twenty twenty. Right? Everyone's yeah. talking about that. Three months later, the world stops. The world changes. So you must be dealing a lot with that con- and having that conversation with a lot of your clients, and especially in the cheaper cir- circle.
1: Oh, I am. I am, and uh, a lot of people have made up stories uh, during this time about what they should or should not do. Um, historically, uh, Dino, the, the most successful periods of my career were the six months or so after the 9-11 attack, uh, the six months or so after the economic downturn in the fall of 2008 and now during, uh, this COVID, uh, pandemic, um, and, you know, I can't say that I intentionally set out to do this. <laughs>
0: um, you but, didn't mastermind the 9-11 in yeah. 2000. There wasn't, there wasn't, okay, I want to make sure. Yeah. I want to be clear on this, everybody. For it's sure. <laughs> um,
1: but what I did during all three of those periods was, number one, I created something new. Hmm. A new program, a new product, a new presentation, a new service. When you create something new, you have a different spring in your step.
0: It's true.
1: If you are, if you hit a valley, now this doesn't have, this doesn't, this can happen during a a crisis period, but it can also happen if you're just stuck or stagnant or stalled out, um. Creating something new infuses you with a new degree of energy, puts a little extra spring in your step, mm-hmm. and then number two, it gives you a reason to go meet and make new prospects.
0: So interesting, Mark, because uh, the last episode of the Propreneur Podcast we interviewed uh, Dr. Paul Jenkins, and his—he's a psychotherapist—and his whole, well, one of his big points around getting out of a depression, getting out of a funk, getting out of feeling overwhelmed is exactly what you just said. Being Mm -hmm. creative, create Mm -hmm. something new, decide, even if it's creating something new that doesn't necessarily have to be a new program, but just create. And so I love Mm -hmm. that. That's kind of the theme that's brought back in here again. And I totally agree with you when COVID hit and I started doing what I've been doing the last five months of the content creation and the content explanation and creating the selling through the screen challenge, you do, you have, like, it's hard to sleep and you're excited and you have more energy. And that's exactly what I think a lot of businesses need right now is that in, in they don't need, uh, obviously some need an influence, uh, an influx of money, but I think that money will come when they do the influx of energy, of creativity behind mm-hmm. it. So I love that idea.
1: Well, my heart goes out um, and certainly compassion Needs to be one of our new best practices nice. um, through this uh, experience, um, and number three, creating something new gives you a reason to go back to your past clients, or even your current clients, mm. and and to say, um, and this sounds this sounds funny, but this is sort of my trade. Mark raised in Northern Minnesota style, I'd call a past client, uh, one of, let's say one of my favorites, and I would say, you know, hey, John or Susan or whoever it might be, um, I wanted to reach out to you. Um, I've created this new thing. And it might not even have a title, Um, but it's like, I've created this new thing and, and I think you would be interested in knowing about it. Now, if I was only circling back with my favorite and friendly clients and prospects, it's like, well, gosh, if Mark is calling me and he thinks I should know about this new thing, by God, I should probably know about this new thing. Right. And. And as I, my excitement would take over, I, I wouldn't even always know how to explain it, but it's like, well, you know, what if what if we did this and this and this, and you could get this and that, mm-hmm. and the fee is X. And what I found was, pe- their response was, Mark, this sounds amazing. Um, why wouldn't I do this? Right. And bam, I would get a string of, either re-engaged clients or some new clients. And then I would begin to um, tinker with the messaging or you know, evolve or, or, or bring more uh, detail to whatever that new uh, program or service was. And all of a sudden, every one of those periods created a jump into a next level. Um, and would change the course of my career and and I think part of it is going back to uh, my basic premise and every day i 'm driven by a single question, and that question is what will meet the best of what my prospects and clients need and want hmm. And I let that drive my, my creativity or my thinking. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, during this time of COVID, here's what I think they need. Here's what I think they might want. What if I create a solution, put it on my menu, just like a, a chef might create a new dish to put on his or her menu. Um, and all of a sudden I'd come back with something that would meet a different need or meet a different want. Uh, at this particular time. Um, and so I don't want to say that I'm COVID giddy, um, <laughs> but, um, but I, I think for people who truly step back and and adopt that mindset, mm-hmm. um, a, amazing doors can open.
0: I agree. I And it might not be giddy, but there's a, there's a gratitude to it, right? And I think that when you are in a space of gratitude, you're able to come up with, more ideas. And by the way, I think our jobs as whether it be consultants or trainers or speakers, even um, uh, business coaches, our job is to be able to sometimes step back for our clients to see clearly and then share with them what you see to give them new possibilities. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they're so stuck in the now of what is and they can't see a path through it that our jobs is to kind of see that 5,000 foot view for them. And I love mm-hmm. that we can be in that place of gratitude because of that type of mindset. It's, it's a muscle, right. That has to be strengthened because mm-hmm. stuff happens to all of us. Not everything's hunky door every single day, but to grow that muscle and strengthen that muscle is a huge benefit to your clientele, which is most likely one of the reasons why when you call them up and you say that they're like, well, yeah, why would I not do this? Mm-hmm. You have, proven to be a source of knowledge and influence over the last how many years, of course, you're going to continue to do so. So Mm -hmm. I think it's super, super powerful.
1: Well, and no, no, go ahead. I, I, and I want to go back to, um, compassion as a best practice, Mm. because one thing to be incredibly mindful of today is, um, you and I might be having a conversation or uh, I may be having a conversation or serving a client and things may seem okay, but I never know what's going on behind the curtain. So true. I, I, I don't know what's going on um, with your lovely wife. I don't know what's going on with people's young kids, uh, yeah. their college age kids. Uh, They're, you know, my parents are in assisted living and, and um, uh, nursing home, I'm not able mm-hmm. to see them. Um, my favorite aunt uh, passed away uh, from COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we, we have to take into consideration that even though someone we may be serving or in conversation with or who may be a patient in the chair, who may... Yep may be managing all of this well we don't know what's going on with their family friends and their loved ones and so uh, compassion grace uh, needs to be the order of the day um, you know at, we need to be at the intersection of compassion and enthusiasm for what we do
0: love it that's so true that's such a great point and uh, yeah, I love it and, and and you know what I think it does for me, and this is just off the top of my head, it just really helps me um, see that as the ultimate um, I guess uh, cure to judgment, right because there is so much of that going on right now. there's so much of either you're this way or that way, you believe this, you believe that, or you support this, you support that. And when you look at that as between you know the intersection of compassion. And really feeling that and really just knowing that everyone's going through something you have no idea what they're going through it's a great place to stand and i really appreciate that message with that i want to shift gears here for just a moment and talk a little bit about uh you have a, a your we talked about your program the Achiever circle but you achieve more also outside of the business realm And I really want to connect with this real fast because it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, my wife and I have wanted to do it for a while. But you have walked the Camino de Santiago that most people don't even know what it is. Mm. And if they do, when they hear it, they probably go, wait, how many miles is that? Mm. How many miles are you doing? (laughs) And that is the 500 mile walk in Spain, which we're planning on doing again this year for the sixth time?
1: Uh, For the fourth time.
0: Fourth time, for the fourth time. And that obviously got changed because of COVID.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me about how that became a goal and how you, why you wanted to achieve that specifically.
1: The walking 500 miles across Spain is an extraordinary achievement that almost any ordinary person can do. And there's a pretty good chance I'm not going to climb Mount Everest. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not too. going I'm I'm not going to uh, compete in the Hawaii Ironman. Yeah, me,
0: uh, I, I was thinking <laughs> about it, but you know, I decided against it.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe 2022. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, but I I found out about the Camino in the fall of 2006, and at the time, I was the vice uh, president of the National Speakers Association. And I would have uh, several years of leadership in that organization. Uh, but what the, I, I found out about it, uh, it. I'd never heard of it before. It, be, it gnawed at me uh, a bit. And finally, I woke up and I thought, I'm going. And I looked out at my calendar two years in advance, and I plopped it on the calendar and for two years, it was a romantic stroll through Spain. Um, with about 30 days to go, the horror of it uh, began, <laughs> began to set in. Um, but I, I walked the Camino in the fall of uh, 2008. And it was the most grueling and the most profound uh, experience mm. of, of my life. Um, it led to my book, Never Be the Same, mm. uh, The Quest for Your Personal Best, And six years later, I would go back and walk it a second time, equally grueling, uh, equally profound for a different reason, different lesson, different purpose. And I made the decision to go back every three years until I couldn't. Hmm. And so I went back in 2017, sort of thinking I knew the drill uh, and knew how to, Take care of my feet. knew, you know, the the route, uh, the path. Uh, all of those initial fears were gone, and Camino Three was the most horrendous, really, uh, gr- grueling experience of my life, and profound, um, for yet a different reason. And wow. so, I was scheduled to go back uh, June now of twenty twenty, but the Camino was closed down. And so I just delayed it one year. Uh, hopefully um, it will open up next spring and I'll be able to go walk, uh, walk it a fourth time.
0: So you did a whole 500 miles?
1: Uh, 500 miles uh, each time, uh, which is about a 30 to 33 day uh, adventure. Um, and it's, uh, it's about a million steps. Um and if
0: you, if you could if you could like kind of I know this is an impossible question or answer sum up what walking the Camino does for you
1: well I think uh there are many things that that come from the Camino, uh, but it is the I think it's the ultimate thirty day Moving meditation and retreat.
0: And you do this by uh, yourself. You
1: wait. I do it by myself. Um, there are many people walking the Camino at any given mm-hmm. time, so it's not like you're alone. Right. If you walk the Appalachian Trail, you may go days or weeks without seeing another human being, but but there are plenty of people walking the Camino uh, from typically April through October, um, so you're always sort of on the trail, um, if you can see behind me the trail, uh, mm-hmm. that's a picture of me walking across Spain. Um, but I think it's it's sort of a, a do-over. Um, it's like a life and work reset. Mm. Um, you, When you walk a million steps in 30 days, it is sort of this ultimate Uh, detox, you arrive into Santiago, and it's like you have, you have, uh, you've, your feet have been bruised and blistered. Uh, You know, you've been through sort of the mental ringer. You've thought about all of the good and the bad, all the emotions that, you know, memories that have popped up. And it's like you arrive in Santiago and uh, one of the things that was fascinating to me on Camino One was you're so focused on reaching Santiago that that you believe that's the goal, that that's the finish line. And what you come to discover very quickly is that Santiago is the starting line. Wow. It's the starting line for a whole new next chapter uh, of your life and work. And so people ask me, Mark, why do you go back? And Dino, I, I know what's waiting for me in Santiago.
0: Hmm. It sounds so... Um, for me at my age right now, I'm 47, I'll be 48 in November. Um, you know, we have no, our kids aren't home anymore. Uh, as you know, we've talked about this, that my wife and I have thought about doing this for a while, and one of our plans was to probably by next year to start. Of course, we're like, "Hey, we got to prepare for it, right? We got to start walking, <laughs> you know, we got to start getting getting ready for it." One of the things that's intriguing to me about it is just the and and we we learned about it from that movie I think called The Walk uh, with with uh, Martin Sheen, and we we both feel that it will be like you said a meditative practice, we're at a place where we're kind of at that next step in our life. We don't have mm-hmm. grandkids yet. We, ha- and, and so um, for us, it almost feels like it's, it's almost necessary, maybe a cleansing of the soul, if you will, mm-hmm. like necessary to get to that next thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you get to the end, um, how emotional is it?
1: Well, I mean, now I know, um, but in 2008, when I walked into in Santiago, Santiago's a, a large city, I think it's 120,000 people. So you're you're walking through the city um, to get to the cathedral and the square in front of the Cathedral of Santiago. Um, so it's a it's a large and, that,
0: and that's like the end of it.
1: Um, yes, yeah. When, when I stepped in front of the Cathedral of Santiago and I was in the square, it was about 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And Dino, for some reason that I cannot explain, there was hardly anyone in the square. Wow. And the square would hold, you know, I mean, a thousand people. Uh-huh. Um, but, but somehow that morning, uh, the forces conspired. I walked in front of the cathedral, and I looked around, and it was like, "Is this it?" I I just walked five hundred miles, and, <laughs> where's <the> and, parade? <laughs> and and, and, this, and this is it. And and I looked around, and there was no one, hardly anyone, maybe ten people in the square, and and I thought, well, maybe this isn't it. And I'm embarrassed to share this, but it's like, well. There's no, there's no receiving line. There's no banner. There's nobody's handing, nobody's handing out bananas or granola bars or water. (laughs) And, and I thought, Oh, it must be on the other side. And I literally walked around the cathedral to see if maybe wow. the res- the res- the welcome line was set up somewhere else um, and i I walked around and got back in in uh, in front of the cathedral and I thought, No, this is it. Hmm. I did it. I did it. Um, and you know about a month or two after I got back home. I was telling my dad about uh, sharing the same story and my dad listened to me and he, he called me back a couple days later and he said, you know, Mark, I was thinking about your story about how, what happened when you stepped in front of the Cathedral of Santiago and there was, there was no fanfare, there was, there was nothing. And he said, I was thinking about it and I, he said, you didn't need anything. He said, because the band was playing on the inside. And Dino, you know, from, from that moment, I've never really needed anyone to cheer me on for, mm. any, for anything ever again.
0: That's really profound. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that.
1: Um, no, you're welcome.
0: That's awesome. I hope that everyone listening can find that place, that thing within them, whatever it is, whether it's walking mm-hmm. the miles um, or just accomplishing something to where they can have that piece of feeling like I don't need that outside accolade parade, the, literally mm-hmm. the parade mm-hmm. um, to just really feel that. That's that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate uh, that. You're, wa- you're welcome. Well, Mark, you've been a, a plethora of knowledge and, and, and emotion here. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for sharing your story with us and sharing your insights to us. We always end our show with six questions that I ask everyone, oh. and they're kind of rapid fire uh, okay. questions. I know you deal uh, primarily with practice owners and uh, people who individually grow their businesses, right? So these will be totally uh, right up your alley. These questions are based upon some of your favorites or some of your advice. And then we're, we also want to make sure that we let people know how to connect with you. So are you ready to play? I am. Awesome. So the first question that I would ask you when it comes to what you see out there with the people you work with, the practice owners, what is the most expensive thing that practice owners are missing in their practice?
1: The most expensive thing? hmm The most expensive thing that they're missing missing in their practice. The first thing that comes to mind is a guide. Yeah. Um, You know, a Sherpa, uh, a a consultant, the the right consultant, the right coach. uh, No one accomplishes anything great alone.
0: Yeah, so true, so true. Uh, Is there a book, and I know you've written four of them, so we definitely wanna talk about them too, but is there a book that you believe every private practice owner should be reading?
1: The the book that comes to mind is um, Selling the Dream.
0: Hmm, I don't know if I by, know that
1: one. By Guy Kawasaki.
0: Oh, okay. From Twitter. Yep. That's great. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Uh, okay. So we've talked about the Achievers Circle. I want to give out some dates of there too, but what's the best way that people can get a uh, hold of you?
1: They, uh, all of my contact information is on my site at markleblanc.com. Uh, you can also access it by um, the domain name growingyourbusiness.com.
0: And you have a couple of uh, virtual achiever circles coming up. You mentioned one in September. You have one in November. Do you do them almost like every other month? Is that kind of the pattern?
1: We do them September, November, January, March, and May. And all of those dates are on the site.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. So uh, in my book, The Practice Rx, I talk about how the fact that um, team culture and team performance is the foundation to your business growth. How do you, what do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture?
1: Well, what, what immediately comes to mind during this time is the, is the ability to uh, interact and connect. Mm. You know, practice owners and business owners, uh, one, are, are busy, um, they're scared, uh, they have their own work to do, um, but so often they're not taking the time to connect uh, as a group, with their team i mean yes they do morning huddles and and things like that but but to truly go above and beyond and make sure that you are connecting at a deeper a deeper level than how are you today
0: well i'm going to go back to your compassion when you were talking about that actually the image in my head that came up was about having compassion as you mentioned you never know what battle somebody else is going through we have team members who you might know the surface level of Mm -hmm. it's hard. There's a struggle. I got to homeschool the kids, all that stuff. But really when it comes to that underlying fear concern, Mm -hmm. that that's where we need to have that more compassion. And you know, I, I get that um, we all have that battle, but I truly believe that when you are in the service of others you actually are in the service of your higher power and that gives you more compassion and love. So I love that you Mm -hmm. mentioned that, so important. Um, The last, uh, sorry, last two questions. What is the best advice you've ever received in life or business?
1: The best advice I ever received. Um, Ira Hayes, uh, 1983, (laughs) my first, Uh, Convention of the National Speakers Association, 22-year-old kid Mm -hmm. sitting in the back of the ballroom, 800 people in the audience, and I was dazzled by uh, this speaker that I had never heard of, and part of his closing message was keep going. And I have hung hung on to that uh, for Uh, 37 now, soon 38 years.
0: Okay, so that's kind of gave me a little bit chills for just a moment because uh, I never do this. Like I'm never that guy who like picks a word of the year or whatever, stuff like that, right? And this last year for Christmas, I had all my kids pick a word and I got one of those little, for those that are on the YouTube channel, I got one of the little bracelets with the little, you know, word punched in it. And my word for this year, not knowing what this year was going to be, obviously, was forward, Mm. forward. And so thank you for sharing that because it is, keep going. Keep going. Uh, The last question, what's the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice?
1: That's easy. Mm. In 2009, uh, August, I developed a uh, proprietary uh, numbers, Tracking tool, and on the surface it looks like a tool for numbers and money, mm-hmm. but the the real uh, purpose of the tool is extreme focus, uh, recognition, uh, momentum, and peace. And uh, I sometimes joke that uh, our numbers tracking tool is my legacy to mankind. Wow, uh, Because I have success story after success story after success story of people who have adopted and adapted uh, tricked out the tool to their unique uh, practice or small business and you know I, I did not know you were going to ask that question but 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 that tool is the bomb wow and and, and I would be happy. Uh, to share that tool with wow. any with anyone. Uh, there are instructions uh, attached to it, but I'd be simply for the asking. If someone will send me an email, mark at growingyourbusiness.com. we would be happy to forward our numbers tracking tool and um, with the assurance uh, that uh, anyone who requests the tool, will not go on our database. They're not gonna be bombarded with emails. Oh, that's nice. They're they're not gonna become part of our tribe, our herd, Mm -hmm. our peeps. Um, We will simply respond uh, with the attachment and the tool. Um, And so I'd I'd love to make that available.
0: Incredibly powerful. Thank you for that. Wow, thank you for that surprise. I really appreciate it, so generous of you. Well, Mark, again, just like you're, you're dropping the mic at the end there with it, giving even more generosity, which I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Thank you for sharing your message and inspiring all of us.
1: You're welcome. Great to be with you, Dino.
0: Well, everybody, again, as we close out another episode, just thank you so much for being here. I know if you're like me, I'm, I end up, it's funny. Cause I try not to like pick up my pen and start writing notes, but, Oftentimes it just becomes one of those things. So I just got to stop trying to fight it. And I'm sure many of you were either in your cars thinking of things you need to write down or wherever you were writing down notes here on this inspiring story and inspiring uh, conversation here. So thank you so much for being here as members of our audience. And remember our goal here in the Propreneur Podcast is to always help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for your support. We'll see you on the next episode.